What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show. It is Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, your place where I help you overcome yourself, create a crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. And I'm excited to be here with you guys, whether you're guys watching on live on the video cast, you're listening on the audio podcast. Thank you so much for being here. We have been uh, doing this now for quite a number of years. Actually, I was just uh, thinking about this tonight. My show will celebrate its fourth anniversary uh, in January. We actually started January 2019. It was uh, We started a week before I did my major back surgery, so it's, uh, it's coming up on four years so thank you guys all for joining in on us we we're actually on episode tonight we are on episode number who what, what number were we on tonight um episode number well fiddlesticks where did that go that doesn't do you any good when you want to see it and it's not right up there when you want to see it you know what i mean i think we we're on show i'm bad at numbers uh we are on show number 240 240 so we've done 240 shows of this particular show the raw and unscripted show then we've also got the unfiltered experience which i do on friday nights that one i think we're up to um 225 shows something like that um it's crazy and then if you guys want to really go back in time you guys could go back to my original um talk show which was the kick-ass radio show that was something that i did on blog talk radio back in the day i did that for three years and there's a there's a couple hundred shows of that as well if you go actually go on to apple Podcasts or you go on to any of the podcast platforms and you type in the kick-ass radio show my show will still come up it's pretty crazy i was actually surprised when i checked that out not too long ago i'm like wow and there's some really great interviews in there we did we did some powerful uh discussions in there so at any rate thank you guys all for joining us appreciate you being here whether you're live or on the replay as always feel free to ask the guest questions ask me questions this is a this is an interaction between all three of us uh me you and my guest and uh and we're just kicking it at a coffee shop or a bar and so if you have a guest if, if you have a question and you're not live uh by all means leave the question uh tag mark in it and we'll make sure it gets answered or if it's a question for me we'll make sure it gets answered for you guys as well uh so we appreciate you guys and i've known our, my guest here uh for a number of years if not a decade we were just talking about when he launched his podcast back in 2014 and we were just talking about that it's crazy how fast time goes by and so i'm interested in, in this conversation tonight we, we've titled the show how to, how to start starting a successful business on a shoestring budget which is interesting because that actually that tagline goes to a, a buddy of mine uh way back in, in the day he was writing uh books on on uh data, how to start this on a shoestring budget how to become a marketer on a shoestring budget how to do this on a shoestring budget so anyways welcome to the show mr mark mawinney what's up mark mawinney welcome to the ron and scripted show man living the dream i've got a few more grays uh since the last time i was on here but you know that's life uh, uh -huh. no, uh, thank you for having me back on and yeah it's crazy it's been almost a decade since we've known each other so yeah yeah i mean and that's and that's one of the things i really love about you mark is the fact that during that period of time is you've always remained mark you know and obviously i'm I'm all about authenticity i'm all about like just being the real version of ourselves talk to us about that i mean you've been through a lot in the last 10 years you know in launching your brand i mean previously i think i think you were into real estate you were in you were in selling houses and stuff like that you were in sales yeah yeah through my 20s um i spent about 10 years in real estate so uh, it's funny. I see a lot of similarities between real estate and coaching, which is oh, really you wouldn't expect that. But yeah, there's there's a lot of crossover, believe it or not. But that's my past life. I spent, yeah, about 10 years there and I got started coaching in 2014. And um, yeah, here we are. Mm -hmm. What do you think the similarities are between real estate and coaching? I mean, there's a lot between uh, boundaries is one thing. You know, real estate's one of those areas that uh, uh, I, I'm an admitted workaholic and I blame real estate <laughs> for putting a lot of bad habits into me uh, through my 20s. But um, you have to be able to enforce boundaries. If not, you're going to work 24-7. Uh, you're going to accept pay that's less. Like, you know, in real estate, 
you always have people beating you up for your commissions. Uh, back in the day where I'm at in Canada, the standard commission was 6%. I know it's lower now. And uh, I used to always have people say, oh, are you flexible or negotiable on that? So I would just say, yeah, sure, I'll take 7%. <laughs> Push hard, the carbon's cheap, another real estate trainer used to say, and, uh, and make a joke about it. But you do have to maintain your boundaries. And the same thing goes with coaching. You know, If you're not careful, you're going to be working for free. You're going to be working with people that maybe aren't energizing you. You're not having fun dealing with, and then it's not going to be enjoyable. So I, I'm really big on you have to have fun building your business. I think that's huge. Yeah, no, I mean, it's super fun because it's got to get you through those darker times and it's got to have, I tell people like when you have a big enough why, you have a big enough how. And yeah. some of those days where you're in the trenches, like even for me, I left a successful corporate career making a lot of money. There's still every once in a while because I miss working with people. I miss building teams. And that's what I was talking about you, what talking about with you uh, prior to us going live was the fact that I'm looking to go back into business stuff and consulting because I actually miss building teams and, and working alongside people. I don't want to go back to a, a traditional day job, but if I can get a consulting contract, you know, maybe my a couple of months go in there and, and streamline their operations their corporate culture and stuff like that that kind of excites me because you know at the end of the day when we're business entrepreneurs sometimes we think the glamour and the glitz of having our own business and and, and creating our own streams of income and things of that nature being able to put our stamp on it is going to be the thing that gets us through but sometimes we have to look at other areas of our life because sometimes that stuff gets old and monotonous when you think about starting a business i mean we talked about this it's, it's, it's titled uh starting a business on a shoestring budget what are some other parameters that people should really give great thought to that sometimes maybe overlooked. It's funny they mentioned with uh, being in front of people. That's one thing I miss with real estate. I was big on the whole camaraderie in an office. You know, we did hockey pools, uh, survivor pools back in the day when survivors, the big show. Um, yeah. I was joking around with you. It's almost midnight. Uh, my time here, the advantage I'm now wearing pajama pants underneath this, uh, where it's almost <laughs> midnight. <laughs> so there, there are pros and cons. I can wear pajama pants, you know, slippers in the winter and not have to go out and shovel and drive somewhere. Um, so, sorry, you're asking about uh, oh, the things for building business on a shoestring. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. What, what, what are some other people should look at? I mean, obviously, you got to have something that you're yeah. passionate in, but what are some of the other things, that, especially this day and age, um, that maybe perhaps are overlooked? Yeah, like maybe oh, maybe the, 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 the decline, you know, with, with digitization and things of that nature, people shouldn't necessarily be coming in, going into graphic artist uh, uh, artistry, I wouldn't think. Well, well, the challenge, I deal specifically with coaches. So I'm in the coaching world. Um, and the issue that we have here is uh, a lot of people entering the coaching world think, oh, I'll slap a website up and then people will rush to the website. They'll hire mm -hmm. me. And, you know, I always say it's the 80-20 rule. They expect to be coaching 80% of the time. Uh, the other 20% is filling you know, some back end stuff, a little bit of paperwork, a little bit of marketing, but 80% is coaching. When in, you know what it's like, um, Chris, it's the opposite, right? It's 80-20, uh, yep. 80% finding clients or more, and then, you know, 10 or 20% actually doing that work. And um, I'm seeing that even more now versus, say, pre-COVID. I heard a stat the other day, 2.5 million coaches are entering the coaching world every year. Uh, so the last four years, it's been 10 million. And it's changed an awful lot. So you can't just come in and expect to oh, slap up a website and then people will uh, gravitate to it. It doesn't work that way uh, with it. You got to put some effort in to do some different things to go get those clients.
Mm, yes. I wanted to talk to you about that, Mark, because we know during COVID, everybody became a coach and a speaker. I was just talking with a friend yeah. of mine who's been in the speaking industry for over 30 years. And I said, what's going on with the speaking industry? I said, I listed with a couple of speaker, you know, websites, you know, speaker um, promoting agencies. I said, I was with them for six months. I was with the two different ones. And they said, they didn't get me any jobs. He goes, yeah, it's, it goes, everything's completely changed because of COVID. He goes, a lot of the stages now are pay to play. Um, so basically you're not getting paid to speak anymore. You're the way you're making money is you're selling, doing the back of the room sales, you know, you're selling your courses and, and stuff of that nature. And it really seems like it, it's a shame because I know when I first got into coaching legitimately back in 2008, I think that's when I, when I, when I legitimately lost launched master motivators and was like, Oh, I can get paid for doing stuff like this. Um, and I went to a couple of multi-speaker events and I realized pretty quickly I got into to personal development because I could use my story and help other people shift their perspective about their past, present, and their future. I could take my story of being homeless on the streets and I could help people change their trajectory of their life and be able to really be empowered with themselves and, and to take those risks and go out there and make changes. But then I was quickly um, disappointed when I went to some of these speaker events and I saw the Brian Tracy's of the world and the Mark Victor Hansen's of the world and some of the other people, the big players in the world. And I realized they were more into it for the money and for the egoic validation than actually to help people. And that really bummed me out because I thought everybody was getting into this to, to help people. What are some of the things that you've seen change, Mark? I mean, you've been around the business now for quite a while. You're known as one of the, as one of the people that connects people with your podcast, natural born coaches and things of that sure. What are some of the things that you've seen change uh, since COVID? And do you think it's been for the better? Oh, boys. Uh, not a lot of coaches will admit this, but it's gotten uh, more challenging to get business. You have to put more effort into, in some cases, to to get the clients. So it's not the yeah. case, you know, years ago when I got started, a lot of times people would slap up a sales page and cold traffic would go over and bang, they're buying. They don't know you, they're going to whip out their credit card, they're going to buy and it just isn't like that now. What I'm seeing is a lot of skepticism in the coaching world because there's yeah. a lot of people who have bad experiences um, in the last few years with coaches and they're bringing that into the current conversation with you. And they're thinking, well, gee, that's what great what you're saying, Chris, but you know, I got burned by this person, I got burned by that one and so on. And it's almost like relationships. If you're dating someone who's had a bad string of axes, you know, and, and then they're, they don't trust you because of the, the, crappy experience from their axes and right. you have to try to work your way around it. So not saying everyone, but there is um, more, which is good in a way, like a healthy skepticism is not a bad thing. I think people should um, be skeptical online. I always say uh, my rule of thumb with online is to assume everyone's full of crap until they prove me uh, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, So I know you're not full of crap and there's other people, but uh, I have a healthy skepticism. I like to think as well. Uh, with it. So that that's definitely changed. And I would also say, um, you can't just expect paint by numbers, you know, people are selling these systems that and you see AI too. you know, like people, hey, you know, you can create whole programs, courses, you can do all stuff with AI or, yeah. um, you know, just paint by numbers. And I do think that there's um, going to be a swing towards people looking for, um, I know, it's a buzzword to say people who are authentic coaches, entrepreneurs, who are authentic, but you, you know, if you're authentic, people can't uh, copy you. And that's, you know, with some of the stuff, I, I have a very dry sense of humor. Some people might, my, my son knows my dad jokes and, you know, lame <laughs> sense of humor. You know, I like um, comic book movies. I got my Stan Lee here and I've got, right. uh, 
you know, at least once or twice a day, I'm saying that's what she said. I got Michael Scott here from the office. Um, <laughs> but but yeah. that's me, right? Like, that's my sense of humor. So if people try to copy my lame, dry sense of humor, it's going to be kind of weird. And I, I do think there's a yearning for people to deal with real people, not just those copying and pasting and carrying on with paint by numbers type of system. Yeah, it's true. It's so true. And that's one of the things I pride myself on. I mean, you've known me for a number of years now. Um, you've, you've known me since before, or I don't think you knew me when I was a suit and tie speaker, because I've basically been owning the kick-ass brand and the No Excuses brand now for, geez, at least since 2013. I think I made the shift somewhere around 2010, um, somewhere right around there, because I know I started the kick-ass radio show in 2013. I ended it in 2016. I went through some shit in 2016. Um, but I, to your point, Mark, you know, that's one of the things that I find so many people are gravitating towards me for, and this has been, you know, for quite a number of years is they watch me for a while and they get, they first, they tell me they're scared of me because they're afraid I'm going to yell at them, which I never yell at anybody. I'm just very direct with it, with a huge heart. I will tell people the truth of what the situation there is that they continue to fuck themselves over. I will be very gentle and kind and, and, and bring that, that elimination to their, to their, uh, awareness so they get, they can change that. Um, uh, but people just sit there and say, you know what, Chris, you're just so real. Like you just, you're always the same person, you know, whether it's a family thing you're posting or whether you're posting a and unscripted or you're doing your show or you're doing a video or you're doing a walk and talk, you're always the same person, Chris. And I'm like, well, that's all I can ever be because that's who I chose to be. I chose to let go of the person that I thought I needed to be in order to be successful. I, I let go of the go of Chris and the person who had to be the smartest person in the room, Chris. And I said, now I'm just like Chris. And so I don't have to worry sure. about what it is that I say that I do because I know that my actions will speak for, for, for my words and everything else because that congruency, that authenticity. And I think that's one of the biggest holes that I find in the personal development, the personal growth space now is there's so many con artists. I mean, I would listen to them on Clubhouse. I was a part of Clubhouse back when it was invitation only. And it was like a lot of people in there doing really, really great stuff at a point where my faith in humanity was declining at a, at a exponential rate. Right. And I was just thinking like, everybody's just stupid. Everybody's fucked up. You know, we had the political shit going on with the elections and everything else. And I would go into this place called Clubhouse that everybody told me I needed to be in. And I was just blown away that, you know, the different faces you would see on the screen from different all walks of life. Nobody asking like, who did you vote for? Or what's your position on the vaccine? Everybody was just pouring into one another, just trying to get people through this thing called COVID. But then I was then I was going into these rooms and these people that were like, you know, scamming people and telling them to buy their programs and, you know, and try to get them into their funnel systems and everything else. Um, when you could clearly tell that they were had no business being in coaching, you know, you could sit there and telling you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And anybody who's been around a coach knows that coaches don't tell you what to do. Coaches will ask you questions and get you to come to the answer and the realization on your own so that you own that situation. Every once in a while, I as, I as a coach will sit there and say, Mark, can I give you some uh, some some insight? Can I give you uh, my perspective on the situation? Um, and then, then you get the permission from that person. And so many people I found in Clubhouse were just like, you know, just you need to do this and you need to do this and, and making people feel stupid if they didn't buy their products and their courses. And then, of course, you know, fast forward, I know a lot of people that were on Clubhouse that said, you know, a lot of people got scammed. And I get people coming to me even like, oh, yeah, I hired a coach a couple of years ago and they were a 25 year old relationship coach. And I'm like, yeah, well, you I never got into Clubhouse and everyone said, uh, was it January of 21? That, that was it was a big deal. I think it was. Yeah. Um, everyone said you had to be in Clubhouse. And I did try it once. This is when people were selling invites. Right. It was that yeah. popular with it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling this. Uh, not saying everyone, there were a lot of uh, douchepreneurs. And I guess there's a lot of douchepreneurs online everywhere, right? Like yeah. every platform. 
um, for me to set, like I, the, I know someone who's on clubhouse that was on there eight hours a day. He's like, Oh, it was great. I got a client last month from it. And I'm like, well, how long did you spend on there? Oh, you know, I don't know, eight hours a day. Okay. Well, you just spent, you know, you're spending 40 hours a week or whatever. Um, you know, times four weeks, that's a lot of time <laughs> spending on clubhouse for one client. And I saw a similar thing. I, I, this drives me nuts with the online space. The lemmings, the lack of original thought with threads, um, this, uh, July past July, everyone, Oh, you gotta be on threads. Mark Zuckerberg's doing, and Oh, it's so great. You know, you, I get the dunk on Elon all day and all that. And I'm like, Elon Musk doesn't care that you're on threads. Dunking no. <laughs> on him. Work on your, you know, I don't know, PG 13 work on your fucking business. You know, don't worry about Elon Musk or whatever. And I saw people on my list that were all, Oh my God, it's so cool or whatever. It's like Twitter without the drama and all that. I'm like it's social media. There's going to be drama. Regard. And I guess there wasn't drama on threads because it was pretty much dead right away. So they probably mm-hmm. wanted drama and, and it died quickly. I never even checked it out once. I'm like, Nope, I don't need another social media platform or whatever. And uh, ever it drives you nuts when people say you have to do something. I'm really mm-hmm. big on pick a couple things that work well, focus on those instead of just running to the next flavor of the month and tr- doing that because people say you're supposed to do it. Both Clubhouse and Threads were dumb. They're dead. Like, you know, and I'm patting myself on my back that, that I never actually spent time on either of them. Mm, I found, I, and I can definitely understand your perspective on that. I found that for me, Clubhouse, like I said, reestablished my faith in humanity, and especially at a time where everybody was calling people's names. We had the George, you know, the murder of George Floyd, um, and it really reestablished my faith in humanity. That people were really out there to help one another, and it wasn't all about sides. And you know, right. if you're if you're a Trump supporter, you're an idiot. Or if you're a Biden supporter, you're an asshole, and just all this different <laughs> stuff. I found a lot of people in there were really true yeah. and genuine. I made a lot of quality friendships out of that. Um, it's just a shame that it had to go. It had to get. Uh, you know, uh, infiltrated by the, by the assholes and the, and the, and the car artists and stuff like that. But I think, you know, going back to original point and you've demonstrated this as well, I've demonstrated this when we're true to ourselves and we're true to that, to those core values, right? Talk to us about that. Do you think business owners really care about their values anymore? Is it all just about the bottom line number and, and getting that egoic validation to say, Oh, I got another client. Um, well, about Clubhouse, I think uh, maybe it's hard on it. I got spoiled because when I listen to podcasts and audiobooks, I go at 2x speed. So maybe I'm impatient. And I think they changed the actual speed that you can do in Clubhouse. So um, that's different. But um, it's tough to think too much about value if a business owner is also worrying about paying the bills, right? And it's very tempting if, oh, geez, I have to go do this because the guru told me I have to do this to get clients. So it sounds great. It's, you know, very, um, utopian type view to always think about your values and stuff but there's also the real world right with actually paying the bills ironically you will pay the bills better when you stick to your values um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to taking shortcuts but it's very hard to do that when uh, when bills are coming due especially you know the last few years of crazy inflation i'm in canada it's not going much better uh, here with the gas prices and you know grocery stores and political leadership so um but yeah at the end of the day uh there you know i will say i'm I'm harsh on online uh people like the gurus and the the people we talked about but i've met like yourself included a really ton of great people you know that are very um sincere people that want to do good that aren't in it for a quick buck and that's why they've made it for as long as you have as long as i have is that they're not just in there and and you've probably seen them too i know a lot of 
people that got in um, 2016, 2017, and they try to make a quick dollar, they're nowhere to be found. No. Or they jump from trend to trend, you know, they jump the Bitcoin, you know, then AI <laughs> and everything else or whatever, because they were great at getting the first sale, but they weren't very good at getting referrals, repeat business and all the other stuff. So people talk, it's a small online world. You really need to be able to um, perform and get results for people if you want to get those things like repeat business and referrals. Mm -hmm. It's true. And, and your your reputation is living online. I just want to grab a couple of people's comments. We got uh, we got Darlene in the house. She's saying, uh, am I the first one here? Hey, you were, you're definitely the first one. What's up, Darlene? Thank you for being here. Got my sister, Debbie Bettendorf in the house. What's up? She's I'm so able. I'm glad I'm able to catch this. Appreciate you being here, Debbie. Feel free to ask any questions. We're talking about business. That's your actual sister. Does she have any embarrassing stories? So is that your actual sister or no? No, 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 um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, Debbie, no, she's my sister from another mister. Oh, okay. I thought it was yeah. your actual sister. We're going to ask if there's any embarrassing childhood <laughs> stories or whatever, but okay. No, my real sister, I don't talk to anymore and uh, we hardly spend any time together anyway, but I have lots of uh, sisters from other misters. But, um, you know, when you think about the conversation tonight, Mark, and, and, and starting a business and, and being in the in the in the trenches and, and leaving our, our comfortable days, jobs and, and our comfortable misery, what um, what do you think are some of the, the real critical components for people to get across from this conversation tonight? You know, when they think about starting a business, you know, obviously it's not all royal roses and rainbows and, and sunshine and unicorns and stuff like that. What are some some applicable strategies that people really need to consider um, when starting business? I mean, you know, now AI is such a huge thing. I was dead set against it. I was like, I'm not going on chat GBT. I feel like I'm cheating. And then I had a few of my key friends who are very smart people, very, very wealthy people. They're like, Chris, the difference between people who use AI and don't use AI are the people that are going to keep their jobs. Sure, yeah. AI is going to replace people's jobs, but the sooner you can start implementing it in your business and your marketing and things of that nature, that's a, that's one of the new critical components. What are some of the other ones that people really need to make, pay attention to when they're starting a business these days? Well, this is more a mindset flip. Um, if you don't have a huge budget, um, and I know this is tough to do, but you, you have to play a bit of a Jedi mind trick. My son and I were watching Star Wars A New Hope uh, earlier tonight. Uh, before Disney wrecked Star Wars, so I won't get started there. The, the, good, <laughs> the good Star Wars from when I was a kid. Right. Um, so it's the a bit of a screen. Jedi mind trick uh, that you have to view having not a big budget, being on a shoestring budget as being a plus. And you might be thinking, well, gee, how's it a plus starting yep. a business? So when I got started coaching, I was a few years out of a business closure with real estate where I was always used to having um, you know, a lot of money, a lot of resources to invest back into my business. That's how my real estate took off. I was buying a ton of advertising and everything else. Uh, so when I started coaching, I was like, oh man, I wish I had the, you know, the war chest to invest into mm -hmm. coaching. Um, the only thing I could do is roll up my sleeves and get to work, you know, get my message out there, uh, writing, getting my content going. Or whatever at the time i thought it was a negative but the silver lining in there is it forced me to as i said roll up my sleeves and get to work and um and and actually work on my content and i got really uh, disciplined and really good at at creating my message because i had to as opposed to people i know when i got started that had money from maybe they um, took a, a package from corporate america to get out of that so they're sitting on, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. They're like, oh, I'll shortcut it and I'll put it into ads or into hiring a copywriter and all this other stuff. Well, then you don't have the experience of actually doing those things. So right. um, I know it's difficult, but I would look at being on a shoestring. It can be turned into a positive versus people that can get a little bit lazy if you've got a big 
you know, budget money sitting there and stuff, you're not as hungry. It's not as real for you there. And uh, not to knock people to have those because there's people that can be successful, but I think there can be some positives from uh, going in on a shoestring budget. Yeah. I mean, you got to have, when you have leverage in there, when you have to make your bills, I know for me, when I first started, when I left my corporate job in November of 2019, for the first little bit, I was kind of taking it easy. I'm like, okay, I, I was like still looking for another job because I, I made great money. And uh, and then it was probably after I submitted about a hundred resumes over a period of about three or four months and I was seeing that there wasn't anything coming up. And I was like, well, maybe God's source universe is trying to tell me something like, Chris, you've been doing coaching and speaking as a side hustle for the last 20 years. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to, to, to leave corporate once and for all. Maybe this is a sign. And so that's when I decided, like, it was like February 23rd. It was a couple of days before my birthday where I went to my wife and I said, hey, listen, I've got this money. We have separate finances. And I said, I've got this money saved up and I want to go do my coaching, my speaking full time. And she's like, let's do it. Let's do it. You should do it. You should do it. And then March 20th hit and it was like COVID time. And it was like everything got derailed and changed around. But when you have that that skin in the game, you know, when there's a little bit of a fire in your belly to make sure that it happens, um, that can really mean a lot of the difference because so many times we think, oh, that I'm going to, I'm going to build this website. Like you said, I'm going to build this website and everybody's going to come and say, oh my God, I want Chris's coaching. I want Chris's coaching. But now, especially with the workforce, you know, the coaching industry being so overpopulated with so many new coaches, there's got to be that brand differentiation. Like we're saying, you know, like how do we set ourselves apart and what are some of the other things that we need to be focusing on? Um, you know, having that leverage in there to be able to, to go out there and take those chances and to, to give those extra hours. You know, I talk about with my clients, you know, what is your best, right? And we think about as entrepreneurs, oh, I'm doing the best I can. I've been doing the best I can, but so many chances we're probably not doing our best, right? Have you ran into entrepreneurs who are saying that best they, they're doing the best they can, but then after working with them, you've been able to find, you know, 20 or 30 or 40% more best that they didn't realize that they were doing. Uh, what I find often with, cause I deal specifically with coaches, um, they think they're doing more than maybe they are. And I don't mean that they're not busy, but, um, I've had clients before that, uh, I'll say, how many times did you offer? Were you consistently putting your offer out every day? Oh yeah, 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 I was sure. And I'm on their email list. I'll do a search and it's been like one email in the last three weeks. And it's been like one or two, uh, social media posts in the last week. I'm like, that's not daily. I'm really big. I do daily emails. Um, you've seen me social media every day. I'm making offers, invitations for people to uh, get my help and to invest in my services. And I do it unapologetically. I got crapped on by one of your American uh, neighbors uh, last uh, with Thanksgiving that just passed for the U.S. I'm in Canada, so we celebrate in October. Right. Uh, so I posted a, a sales post uh, on Thanksgiving in my Facebook group. And the guy's like, oh, really, Mark? on Thanksgiving, give it a break. And um, I said, to him, I said, you troll people doing Black Friday sales too. But that um, that guy in the group uh, is a perfect example of the issue that uh, that's with a lot of coaches and online entrepreneurs. They're looking for excuses not to sell. Eh, I better not sell. It's Sunday. So it's a day of rest. Or I better not sell. It's Thanksgiving. Or better not sell. We're getting close to Christmas. I'll wait to the new year. And they're making excuses not to sell. Um, for me, I'm making offers every day, you know, like, and, and it gets easier after you've been doing it for a while. It takes a little getting used to, but uh, that's something I'm really big on with my clients. And that's what I'm seeing out there. Coaches, online entrepreneurs, they're not making nearly enough offers and they're doing things to keep busy. They think they're working on their logo, their banner of their website, you know, everything else. But at the end of the day, it's, it's like if you had a store on Main Street and you had the fancy sign in the front 
the floors are all waxed and everything else, but people go in and there's nothing on the shelves. Um, yeah. You're not going to stay in business very long. You have to make sure that you're selling stuff. So I'm a, I'm a capitalist, a proud capitalist. I, I wish more online entrepreneurs were unapologetic with putting their services out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, what you're talking about is it's not, I've learned that sales to me sounds, it used to sound, I should say, it used to sound like, you know, sleazy almost like all oh, car salesmen mm -hmm. like, oh, I got to make the sale and I got to, you know, sit there and do that stuff. When somebody point, pointed it to me to become an offer, like you're making an offer, you're, 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 you're selling the solution to what that person needs. You're making an offer for me that switched my whole psychology, you know, towards sales. Like, oh, I don't want to make sales and, you know, and asking for that sale was, I mean, I'm talking 10, 15 years ago, but being able to see it as, okay, I'm providing a solution. I'm providing a solution to people who are coming to me saying they don't have confidence or they're, they're sitting in their comfort zone and they and they want to go take more chances and, and overcome their fears and change their perspective about things that I have the keys to unlock these people's futures. And so for me, when I shifted that, I totally changed my whole perspective on sales and making offers instead and, and being that solution provider for people like you can either take it or you can't. I mean, you could try to do it on your own and come back to me in three or four years and realize that what could probably take 18 months working with me is going to take you probably six or seven years. If and you are even if you were you to sell to help. Right. And uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, my email list, I've been emailing it daily since April 2016. So it's somewhere close to 3000 days give or take uh, i think it's a little under three thousand days yep, i'm on the list yeah thank you um i appreciate it um uh, but i get very little uh blowback you would think emailing daily to thousands of people i'm going to be getting 10 death threats and uh, mm -hmm. 100 unsubscribes and you know all sorts of blowback very rarely do i get people uh emailing me you know like they may leave the list and that's fine you know i'd rather them if, if that i don't resonate with them and and yeah. uh, they're not into daily that's totally cool but that's my business the way i do it and uh so um i remember i was in your neck of the woods in california speaking at an event pre-covid and guy kawasaki you know who uh, was with apple started yeah. canva or whatever he did a bunch of stuff he was speaking at the same event i sat in his Whole talk and he was uh, telling the story how with his Facebook fan page he did an experiment he had something like 450,000 fans on the page and wow. he decided he was gonna post the, the exact same word-for-word -word post twice in one day so morning then later in the day he was curious how many people would complain um, do you know out of almost half a million fans how many complained about him posting the exact same probably three very close too if I remember <laughs> right <laughs> So two out of half a million complained. So you don't have to worry if you've got 500 people on your email list or even 5,000, whatever, you're not going to get a ton of people uh, complaining about it. They're busy or whatever. It's also a noisy space. Sometimes I'll, I say, repeat myself, I'll repackage content and put it elsewhere or something maybe I shared a year ago, two years ago. It's sure. not like I've ever had anyone say, hey, Mark, you emailed this out three years ago. I remember this <laughs> exact email now. They don't remember. So. Uh, you have to be unapologetic. It's tough to do it. I'd, I'd recommend a book. Um, have you read The Alter Ego Effect, Todd Herman? No, I haven't. I'm going to write that down, though. I'll the Alter Ego Effect? Yeah. Yeah, I'll get a pitch out for Todd. He's a fellow Canadian. Um, so he's been on my show, and he wrote that book, which is in my top 10. And that whole book is about adopting an alter ego, almost like an actor. You know, um, you pick 
uh, could be a real person that you admire, you want to adopt their traits, or maybe you combine traits from a few different people, or you make up an alter ego, just like a, you know, like um, Magic Johnson's a good example. Again, I'll give a, you know, California example. He was, uh, you would think a man about town, you know, real confident from those great Lakers teams in the 80s, all that stuff. But uh, um, he was actually very shy, you know, or yep. Johnson wasn't who you think magic going out to the clubs and, you know, with, with all the women, his, he was actually very shy with it. And he had to adopt the whole magic persona, you know, and uh, Beyonce has a Tasha fierce is yep. her whole thing whenever she goes on stage and you have to do that online as well, in a way, come up with at least read the book. I recommend uh, the alter ego effect, but you have to turn it up a notch and really push yourself out there because if not, you're not going to get seen and, you're going to get passed over and people are going to hire or buy from people who aren't as good as you are. And then that's not good for anyone. So. Mm, no, no, you got definitely got to have, have some mojo in the, in this game. What do you recommend to people? What do you recommend to people who have spent their entire lives basically talking negatively to themselves? You know, they're, they're sitting there watching this conversation. They're listening to this conversation between you and I, they're inspired, like, Hey, I want to do something on Etsy or I want to do something on Shopify or I'm, you know, I've got some of these ideas, but you know, all my entire life I've failed at everything that I've ever done. And, and for me to just stay, stay in my lane as a secretary or something like that, that's probably what I should do. What, 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 pieces of advice do you have mark for people who have who've been down that road and we're talking about being unapologetic how do we get them to to, to build that self-confidence muscle to be able to sit there and say not in a in a flippant way to say listen i'm not going to give a shit about any what anybody thinks anymore but also at that same time like i do like i just wish people well like if you dig me and you get me great no problem if you don't get the whatever then then go find somebody you do because the world's yeah. big um what advice do you have for people to be able to to build that that strength and that resiliency muscle this is advice from uh, the Fonz, Fonzie, not me. Um, I just read Henry Winkler's uh, autobiography, so it's great. Uh, but oh, anyway. you finished it now, so okay, we can yeah. talk about that. Okay, yeah, good. yeah, I finished it. I don't know, a few weeks ago, a month ago. Yeah, so um, he talks about in it. He um, when he had such enormous success on Happy Days as Fonzie, um, after the series got done, he was typecast and yep. he was going through a real rough time because no one wanted to hire him. They just viewed him as Fonzie, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he says in there that he would always make an effort to stop a negative thought in his head before he had a chance to, to think it or to say it to someone else. He would just literally stop and people kind of look at him a little bit weird. Like, you know, what's going on? Um, so it's tough to guard your thoughts because people have, I think it's about 60,000 thoughts a day. Yeah. And the vast majority are either negative or neutral. They're certainly not positive. So I know that it sounds a little bit, it can sound lame to say think positive or whatever, but you do have to be a, a guard for, uh, for those thoughts to catch yourself. I catch myself sometimes too with stinking thinking like uh, was a Zig Ziglar. Let's talk yep. about that. Mm -hmm whole stinking thinking that's natural you know in the online space you have any entrepreneur you could have a uh, your day starts off great mid-morning you get hit with some bad news you're in a funk oh things get better at 3 p.m oh joy oh joy or whatever just before you settle down for bed you get a bad email it's like oh geez you know the entrepreneur roller coaster that darren hardy talks about and it is a real mind uh, a mind f um you know oh you could say it mind fuck yeah it screws yeah. with your head um, as an entrepreneur and i've been in business for myself since i was 21 so it's coming up to 25 years um so it's a little easier now because it's not my first rodeo um, <laughs> but still i have to remind myself sometimes too like oh you know mark you know, smart up and and sometimes it means turning your uh, business brain off um 
just recently, like this sounds bad. I sound like I'm a 16 year old kid. I haven't played video games much for years, right? And I started playing the new Spider-Man game on PS5 at night. When I need to turn my brain off because I'm a workaholic. I could very easily justify working till 2 a.m. every morning, right? And wow. working 100 and some hours a week. So um, once I got done my work and stuff, I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna swing around New York and salt and uh, fix crime and beat up some bad guys and just <laughs> turn my brain off for an hour, <laughs> you know, uh, be, uh, before bed or whatever. So don't feel like you have to work 24 <clears> seven. And it's funny because yeah. I actually do better when I'm uh, not as stressed and feeling like I have to work 24 seven. When I do some other things besides work, I come back refreshed as well. So if you're thinking negative and stuff, I don't know if it's getting out for a walk, a drive, it's doing, watching them, going to a movie, doing something that's not business related. Cause if you're yeah. stewing in it, you're ruminating, that's probably not going to help. And it's a challenge for coaches because a lot of us like to journal. We like to think, we like to try to think through it, but by doing that, you can't see the forest for the trees all the time. And you have to, juggle self-care there as well so i'm um, not saying you have to go beat peter parker and, and spider-man and go you know beat up the bad guys but whatever you have to do take your mind off it at night do it Mm -hmm. It's true. And, and so there's something to that point. I actually have a PS3 right in front of me. And I, one of my biggest things that I loved for a while <clears throat> was fight night what was uh, the Mike Tyson games, you know, the boxing games. Yeah. And so sometimes when I'd be having a, like a, a rough day, I would flip on my TV. I have a TV right in front of me yeah. and I would go in there and I play a couple of rounds of boxing and I would just whoop the shit out. Like I would just pick some guy that I know I could whoop. And a couple of rounds after that, you're like, feel, you feel like, oh yeah, I can do this. Yeah. You know, I'm sure some women might be watching this or listening to this going, okay, there's that testosterone, testosterone yeah. masculine and stuff to, like, like whatever it is that you can do but you're right mark you know we need a break from those things because so oftentimes like you said you can't see the forest for the trees <clears throat> yeah. i tell people you can't see the picture when you're in the frame and so getting that distance you know what i personally do is i either listen to music or i go for a walk or i go for a drive because i have found that either a shower or a drive is where i do my best thinking and so yeah. <clears throat> sometimes i'll just go take a 45 minute drive i'll put on a, a playlist that i have called in the car so there are songs that you like to listen to while you're driving in the car you know old lady money or 38 special you know something like that and i just go out there and i just let my mind relax because for me meditating meditating is like it's still not the the panacea that most people think it is i still do it because i figure one of these days it's going to lock in for me and i'm going to be able to, to find that space where i just relax and i'm in that zen zone <clears throat> but for me it's going out and, and separating myself from that 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 experience and, and listening to some music or talking with some friends about it but we got to check out because so many times we're so knee deep into it that we don't give ourselves a break and we burn out that muscle and so yeah. when i think about you know the way business has been you know especially for the last couple of years with with COVID and everything and then just previously to that and i think about the generational differences in our world today you know back five, 10 years ago, probably about 10 years ago, baby boomers were the largest demographic in the workplace. Um, Gen Xers, my generation, our generation was the smallest because that was the smallest generation. And then after that, we had the millennials, which was going to be the next largest generation since the baby boomers. And now 10 years fast forward, so many of those baby boomers have retired. And now the Gen Xers are in the leadership position, but we're the smallest majority of any demographic that's been around in recent decades, you know, recent histories. <clears throat> What for you, long-winded way to ask a question, what has it been for you? What have you seen in the generational differences between, you know, being in this this industry now for 10 years and seeing the baby boomers getting out of it and now seeing a lot of the, the millennials and the Gen Zers getting into it? Are you finding there's drastic differences between the generations? Uh, between us and the boomers or us and the millennials? Us and the millennials, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the younger generation. Wow. 
Well, one of the things I'm uh, decided not to do is I really don't want to be on TikTok twerking. You don't want to see me twerking, uh, Chris, or doing like duck lips and doing all go that. Go Mark, like, go Mark. Yeah, um, I'm convinced if I was um, a beautiful 21-year-old blonde female model looking, I would be worth tens of millions of dollars by now. And I joke around, but you do see um, it, it's interesting. Um the coaching world, you, you know, as a, as a, a middle-aged dude with a beard or whatever, it, it's not the, always the best way to do it. It doesn't always catch attention, right? Like versus a 22 year old blonde bombshell life coach mm. or whatever um, with it. But uh, yeah, like your girlfriend. Me. Yeah. Well, that's my ex actually. We broke up a year and a half ago. So yeah. Oh, whoops. Yeah, no worries. That's okay. That's uh, yeah, uh, good. Yeah, good point. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, that that's a whole other show. We'll I'll come back next week. I'll I'll talk about her now. Just joking. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, I don't want to paint all millennials and Gen Zers with the same brush, but there is. I I've been really big on having uh, selling not the sizzle but the steak having something behind it right yeah and i do find and this isn't just those newer generations i think there's probably some uh, gen xers as well like this that are so concerned with selling the sizzle getting the sale then people actually start whatever program there's nothing there yeah. you know so some of the people i've bought a lot from and i've learned from i mean ben settle with email comes to mind ben has stuff it's not it's steak not sizzle you know like there's a lot of stuff behind the curtain that he's selling and that's why i've spent a lot of money invested in him and so on and i do find that a lot of the younger people just want to be like famous they don't care how right, right. or if they're providing value out there and i know i probably sound like an old uh old <laughs> fuddy duddy or whatever but get old mark yeah get off my lawn you know like you know, <laughs> get off my lawn shaking my newspaper, chasing kids off my lawn. But um, that's why I got off uh, TikTok. I was never big on it. I did a few TikToks. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't my thing. I also got off it. Uh, and this is probably another topic, but I, I delete it from my phone because I found it incredibly distracting. Uh, they're very good at sucking you in, knowing what type of content you like and then showing it to you. And you mm -hmm. can easily waste an hour swiping your finger up uh, to videos watching it. And then there's a whole bunch of privacy things. So for me, I'm like, not not getting into it uh, with it. But I do find uh, the newer generations, there's not, it, it's uh, not the same level of concentration or attention. Uh, they just want instant success. They want to be famous. They don't care how. And yep. they're not concerned with actually giving a quality product behind there. And I think that's a mistake. And I hope the pendulum sw uh, swings back uh, to that or whatever. So. I think it will. I think I think it has to. I think that's just kind of like the the law of physics in a way, you know, in the business world. That mm -hmm. I think that there's going to be so many people that that jumped into coaching. I don't know about you. I'm sure. I think we kind of talked about it on chat before. I probably get at least five to ten solicitations a week, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Like, oh, I can get you a hundred more customers. Like, I know yeah. when I changed my LinkedIn um, tagline to not say that I was a coach anymore, that it dropped dramatically. Yeah. Hey, Chris, um, you have room for five to 100 new clients in the next yeah. week? Or the it's new one I'm getting, I just got one today, but I've gotten at least 20 or 30 in the last probably two months. Um, uh, hey, Mark, I've got tickets to this valuable mastermind, uh, a couple free tickets. You can learn all this stuff. How would you like to come as my guest, you mm -hmm. know, or whatever? And it's the exact same script, and I've gotten so many of these. I'm like, ah. Uh, 
for me, I'm allergic to cold DMs. I just, that's not how I want to build my business. I prefer to put my effort into the content, the message. Uh, I got a new client today, actually. He's joining my group program in the new year. Great coach. Um, he's going to do really well with it. He came to me because he's been following my stuff for a while. It yeah. wasn't me cold messaging him, twisting his arm, doing these lame scripts or whatever. I, I'm like, yeah, how did you find out about me? And he's been following my stuff for a while, you know, and that's a much better way to sell, I think, than chasing someone and trying to use a bait and switch and, you know, twist their arm and, and convince them to do something. Mm -hmm. No, it's a hundred percent. I mean, I mean that, that legitimacy that that's what I teach my clients is like, we got to play the long game. Right. You know, so many times people hire me and like three months later, they're like, well, I expected, you know, I was going to be a lot different. I'm like, how fucking long did it take you to get in the spot? You're yeah. 48 years old. Like we got to give this some time. This is, and I always preface this now when I talk to people, like you got to play the long game. Like, you know, what's life going to be like in, in another three, six, nine months. Yeah. That's going to be the short window. What things are going to start to evolve for you. You're going to start making different. You're going to be more aware of the self-sabotage that you're doing, because I'm going to be bringing these things around to you. We're going to talk about boundaries, tolerations, excuses, and things that we're just going to, we're just going to re re pour your foundation in the first 12 months. Probably the next six months after that is to start to build the, the strength and the resiliency in you to start taking proactive action as opposed to rewriting some of the scripts. And then after that, it's going to be the the success of you staying consistent with the new new um, applications. You know, I'm not going to sit there and make you go through my programs. I'm not going to be a Tony Robbins and say, you need to keep me as your coach for the next four years. Generally speaking, I work with somebody for anywhere from six to 18 months, 24 months, sometimes in that nature, they get, they have to rewrite some of their scripts and they have to go out there and they have to go move forward. And so I invite people to sit there and say, okay, as you're building your business, continue to offer those nuggets, continue to over deliver, continue to offer those opportunities for people to sit there and say, let me try this. Let me see what, let me see what Mark's all about. Let me see what Chris is all about. And I've had people like sit there and I'll do a, like a, a workshop. I did a, a $27 workshop last year, got a bunch of people in there. I just did it totally cheap. I just decided to try it. I saw all my friends trying it. I'm like, okay, it seems kind of ridiculous, but I know the information is well worth more than 27 bucks, but let me give it a shot. Let me try it. Um, and then people are able to take those little nuggets and be able to try those things. And like, okay, they'll watch the raw and unscripted show for a while. I'm like, oh my God, Chris, you give us so much value away from it that, you know, we're changing people's lives, but it has to be that long game. It's not going to be that overnight success. It's not going to be the Amazon. It's not going to be other things of that nature. And when you do those things, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, when you do those things, there's, there's more of a sense of pride. There's more of a sense of, of true personal development and change within ourselves because we've stuck with it. We didn't just sit there and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this course. And in three months, I'm going to be a totally different person. I'm, gonna, I'm totally different women in my life or men in my life or, or clients in my life and things of that nature. In a, in a, in a part of that, Mark, what, what are your thoughts on the whole niche or niche process? Cause I still, to this day, it's probably one of the biggest interesting questions to ask business leaders and to ask entrepreneurs, because I still get like, you know, you have to be, you have to be so niche or no, so niche, you know, that, that nobody else can go to anybody else besides you to get that. And I've had people sit there and say, okay, it's good to be general. And then as you're working with that person, zero in on the niche for them, what's been your experience, especially in the last couple of years with, with so many new people joining the personal development world? Yeah. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I, I agree with the whole, uh, you have to niche to, sorry, shouldn't say should, you should niche to, have a better shot at it. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you absolutely have to. There's some people who don't have a niche. I've interviewed people on my podcast. I'm sure you have too, that yeah. technically don't have a very broad focus um, and no niche whatsoever. 
I would look at it more with um, avatars, I would say, instead of niche. Sometimes people think when they um, look at a niche that they can only work with women who are between 40 and 60, who are empty nesters, who, um, you know, and they really narrow it down like, oh, geez, but what if a woman who's 35 wants to work with me or what if a man wants to work with me or whatever? Um, I look at it more for content creation helps to narrow your um, who your avatar is. Uh, yeah. So a good example, if you come up with something like if um, Homer Simpson, that's a good example. Everyone knows, even if you watch a few episodes of The Simpsons, you know roughly how old Homer is. You know how many people are in his family, what he does for work. Uh, you know what kind of beer he likes, um, Duff, right? You know where mm -hmm. he spends his off hours at Moe's. Uh, you know a bunch of things like it. So it's not like you're saying, I only want to work with a Homer Simpson type, which would probably be a real nightmare to work with. You know? um, but <laughs> yeah, when, you're creating, when you're creating your content, picture yourself writing or doing the video speaking to Homer um, with it. That could make it easier because when you're creating content and you think you're speaking to a whole sea of people, everyone, 8 billion people in the world, can be kind of intimidating. It's not really very focused. Uh, but if you have a certain avatar that you're speaking to, like a Homer or whoever, it does make it easier to create it. Also, your niche can change. You know, you could yeah. start over here and then uh, after a couple of years, you're like, or even less, uh, I really don't like working with this in this niche. You know, I think I might want to change it. Um, I had a, a coach once I was helping who was a men's breakup coach, and he thought he wanted to do that because he went through a breakup. He wanted to help other men. And after a few months, he's like, just was beat down. He's like, I really don't enjoy this. Uh, the days I have coaching calls, I'm, you know, tired and depressed at the end of the day because he yep. was a very empathetic, soaking in a lot of their uh, emotions. And I just said, you're not tied to it. You know, uh, do what you want to do. It's you're not writing in the stone. It's not like you're choosing a life partner here. No, it's that's so true. And that's that's one of the things I used to be a relationship coach. Uh, and after so, a while, like, I got, I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, Oh my God, these people are going to make me fucking kill myself. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's just, that's it's really good if the coach does that. Yeah. No, no, it's true. I know what you're saying, Mark is like, you know, I think is a great piece of advice. I mean, we've already been talking for dude, we've already been talking for 50 minutes. It's crazy. Um, I can sit there and talk to you for hours, but I think it really is, um, that adaptability, right? That, that, that ability, that ability to pivot, to be able to sit there and say, okay, what can I do a little bit differently this week? What can I do a little bit differently next week? You know, having those, those plans in place to sit there and say, okay, if I, if I continue to do what I've always done, Dr. Wayne Dyer said this, if I continue to do what I've always done, I'll continue to get what I've always got. And so I always look at myself as, you know, as my own guinea pig is like, okay, Chris, what couple of things can I do in the next six months will, that will pivot the way I approach coast, uh, uh, coaching customers? Um, what, what things can I pivot in my business to create, to, to keep the, the spontaneity, to creep, keep the creativity alive. And that's why I was telling you, I'm coasting more into oh. consulting, uh, next year. So I've, I've actually hired a coach and she's rebuilt my, my resume. She's rebuilt my, my, um, LinkedIn profile and everything else. I'm actually going to post it here pretty soon. Um, cool. so it's, it's about, you know, constantly looking at those opportunities to see what, what variability we can change within ourselves to get that extra, uh, leverage, to get that extra business, to really find what our lane is. And I love the avatar thing. I actually hired a business coach, uh, a number of years ago who had just, uh, I was a friend of mine. She'd recently gone through this whole avatar creation. Like this is when it was really hot. And mm. she's like, Chris, I'd love to coach you on this. You know, I'll give you a super deal. And so it was like three months and dude, it blew my mind how 
detailed they get you to like you have to know your avatar inside and out you should be able to speak to that avatar you should know you know what they do after work like she was asking me, like what does your avatar cook for dinner what is where do they shop what what kind of clothes do they buy and i'm like oh my god you're fucking driving me crazy like i don't care about yeah. this much detail but when you do get to that point and you're able to sit there and see okay like people sit there and say you know who are most of your coaching clients right now and I'll be honest with them. A lot of them are people that are just like me. They were in the corporate space. They were comfortably miserable. They made six figures. They're really good, but they don't want to continue to sell their soul to somebody else to make their dreams come true, as opposed to like launching their own business or, or following their own dream. And so I'm finding that, but at the same time, there's got to be that ability to, to see what's exciting for us and to be able to change and to, to adapt to, to find that lane that really sets us apart from other people, because there's so many other people out there selling a widget that when people find, you know, that connection with you and the way you speak. That's one of the things that I've found is that when I just do like my written posts, don't do, don't get me a lot of action, but when I do videos, because I'm able to connect with people, they'll say, Chris, you know, I really love the sincerity in your voice. And so I think for people listening and then watching this tonight, one of the big things that we can tell them as well is, is to keep that adaptability, keep that playfulness, keep that sense of adventure and that sense of courage in your business. Because if you could sit there and, and, and you sit there and go, okay, well, I did my marketing plan. I did my business plan. You know, people should come flock to see me. You know, I think we've, we've said it very eloquently in this conversation tonight is that you got to go out there and demonstrate that you're a bit unique and be a bit unapologetic. What are some final pieces of advice you would give to people, Mark, tonight that are watching and listening to this, that are thinking about starting their own business, but they still have that trepidation of, you know, what if I make a mistake or what if I fail? What are, what are some pieces of advice you could give them? This, this is piggybacking on what you just said. This is something I'd heard someone say before, which really resonated with me is that, um, Instead of looking at it saying, oh, gosh, there's so much competition out there. There's, you know, the coaching world, I mentioned earlier, two and a half million new coaches in a year can get a little intimidating if I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, or 10 million in four years. Um, but a shift, you're thinking that there's only one Christopher Rausch, right? There's only one Mark Maloney. There's only one, you know, whoever. Um, and there's 8 billion potential clients uh, accessible by, by the click of a keyboard. So Back in the old days, I say the old days, the stone age when I started my real estate business back in uh, the early 2000s, uh, you had to, if you're starting a business for the most part, you're having to rent office space, uh, buy equipment, you had to hire staff, you had to get old school marketing, billboards, radio, newspaper, whatever. Now you're in business, you buy a domain for 10 bucks or 15 bucks and here we go off to the races right so that's uh, it's democratized business in a lot of ways uh which is great so turn it around to say hey there's only one of me doing what i do and eight billion potential people it's very hard to fail when you look at those numbers and look at it that way mm, i love it mark i love it i appreciate you brother where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation and learn more about uh what mark has got going on yeah, so naturalborncoaches.com, that's the best one. Also, there's a Facebook group we've got uh, in the coaching jungle, almost 25,000 coaches. So that's .coachingjungle.com. Yep, and they can get a hold of you on Instagram at Mark Mawinney. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as busy on Instagram versus Facebook and others, but I am on Instagram. Uh, yeah, wherever, I'm, I'm online, search for me. Also, I have a <laughs> lot of fakes. That's a whole other story. I've got a bunch of annoying... Uh, you know, people setting up fake Mark Morney accounts. So every, I don't know, every week there's three or four of those. So that's probably not me if there's five friends um, on their account. Yeah, but anyways, yeah. that's a joy, the joys of online business. 
I fortunately, I'm going to knock on wood. Uh, I fortunately don't have anybody copying me because I'm guessing that, that nobody's going to run around wearing a bandana or something like that. But um, I think that I think that's awesome because people are, are so impressed with you, Mark, that they want to copy you. That, I mean, that's a sincere. Well, well they steal the pics. They're not uh, putting, uh, you know, like it would be like going on your profile and just saving your pictures and starting. But they use different names. I, well, sometimes use the same name, but then they use different names and. Facebook, Instagram, others often don't do anything because they're like, well, they're using a, a Joe Blow name or whatever, so they're not breaking our community standards. So, and a lot of my friends are dealing with this too. You know, it's mm. just with, it's the joys of online business. So you can find me online. Uh, like I said, you you should be able to tell who the real Mark is versus the others. But yeah, I'm around. Yeah. They just have to. They just come. They can come through me. They can come through Christopher. Yeah, there Ashley. we go. And I'll make sure that they get get introduced to the right and the awesome Mark Maloney. Thank you, brother, so much for being here. I'm going to put you backstage. Don't go anywhere because I still want to have a little chat with you, but I'm just going to end out the show real quick and then uh, I'll be right with you. Thank you. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, appreciate you guys being here, uh, whether you're live or on the replay again, make sure you connect with Mark at naturalborncoaches.com, naturalborncoaches.com. Uh, if you're listening to this in your car right now, you'll be able to see it in the show notes, um, where, uh, we have that in there as well. Uh, and just encourage you, you know, if you join this conversation, uh, in mid part of the, of the, of the podcast or the video cast, highly encourage you to go back and listen to the very first part of this, because everything that was laid out in this particular discussion is all building blocks of what it is that you can do. So I encourage you to take pen and paper and write down some strategies and some tips that Mark and I shared with you guys tonight and start putting those into play. You know, I think it's General Patton, you know, said, you know, a perfectly executed plan uh, never done is is not as good as, as, a, as a violently poorly plan uh, executed today. And I know I just butchered the shit out of that, but you guys get the idea of like, you know, when people ask me in interviews and I get interviewed quite a bit, they say, Chris, you know, how did you go from being that seventh grade homeless dropout? You know, how did you go through all those different experiences to go back and get a master's degree and to purchase houses and to have a successful corporate career? And the God's honest truth, guys, and I'm going to tell you this, you may not, may not believe me, but I just continue to take imperfect action every single day every single day in every single way. I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the belief necessarily, but what I did is I had the tenacity to sit there and say, okay, every day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to show up and I'm going to go try to get my GED. I'm going to try to go to community college. I'm going to try to go to accelerated college and, and get my master's degree. I'm going to, I'm going to try to go into the corporate space. I'm going to go into international business. I'm going to try to become a coach. I'm going to try everything was that imperfect action every single day. And I just, we just talked about this here towards the end of the conversation is that flexibility and that adaptability. When you're looking at, you got to constantly look at your, at your, at your metrics and say, am I, am I getting closer to or further from my stated goal? And of course you can't expect overnight and say overnight results, but what you can do is sit there and have a battle plan for yourself. Okay. I'm going to readdress this in six months. I'm going to see, you know, how many more customers I'm getting, you know, how much more, um, for lack of a better term, how much more in love with this process am I versus when I was, when I was just starting, what things can I change? You know, because ultimately there's so much competition out there that you have to ask yourself, what am I willing to do a little bit different today um, that might change some of the, uh, the output on what it is that I'm doing. And I know Mark was sitting there talking, we were talking about the social media aspect of it. And in some situations, depending on where you're at in your journey, you need to take a look at that stuff. You know, there's clapper out there for the Gen Xers. Um, there is threads, there's TikTok. you know, that's one of the big ones. Um, so in some situations we have to sit there and say, okay, where's my audience hanging out? 
And so one of the conversation things that we talked about tonight is that avatar, you know, consider hiring a coach to go through that process and find out exactly who it is that you serve. Where are they hanging out? You know, you want to make sure you're where those people are hanging out so that you can have those conversations, whether it's in a group on LinkedIn, like I hang out in some coaching groups on LinkedIn. So uh, I've been in there and I've actually had coaches hire me because they're like, I can't find a coach to be able to coach me, but this no excuses coach thing that really inspires me. So, you know, so hang out where your customers are hanging out and continue to evolve and to change those things and to brainstorm those things, you know, get accountability partners. One of the things that I'm doing right now is my accountability group coaching program. So it's stupid affordable. It's amazingly affordable, but we meet twice a month. You get an accountability partner. You're able, you're in a private Facebook group, you know, so you're able to communicate and talk about things that are working and not working. You have an accountability partner that's going to ask you questions. When you have people in your life that are asking you, what is it that you're doing this week to move the needle on your biggest goals and your, your biggest projects? And you do that week after week after week guess what starts to happen? You start to focus in on a little bit more of the things that you really need to be paying, paying attention to because guess what? That accountability partner or me as your as your overall uh, group coaching person is not going to let you get away with that stuff. And so when you think about, are you executing on your goals? Are you getting shit done? And you're not, you need to have the right people. You need to have the right leverage in your life to be able to sit there and say, okay, hey, put the donut down. Stop it, stop it, stop it, you know? Um, but also not burn yourself out. So I hope that all of this has uh, really... Uh, helped you in what it is that you want to do with your life. Because at the end of the day, guys, there was a book out there written by a hospice nurse and it's called the top five regrets of the dying. And you know, I'm going to be 55 next year in a couple of months. And so I think about how fast life is passing us by. You have to be intentional about the legacy that you're leaving every single day. What is it that you want to be remembered for? Who do you want to be remembered for? How do you want to make people feel? And then every single day, wake up and set that intention to be that person. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to look back on your life and realize there was so many opportunities and so many chances that you could have taken that you didn't, right? So go out there and take those risks, take those, those leaps. There's a great video out there. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. It's by, um, Steve Harvey, the comedian, it's called jump. It's about a minute and 23 seconds. And I mean, for minute for minute, it's probably one of the most powerful videos I've ever watched in my entire life. And I've watched thousands of hours of videos because that's what I do to, to set myself apart. I listen to books and I read books and I have accountability partners. I have coaches, I have masterminds. I have all sorts of different things. Um, but again, you know, what, what investment are you making and taking in your life, uh, to set yourself apart? That's one of the most important things you could do. So I highly encourage you to connect with Mark. He's got an amazing program, an amazing, uh, 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 podcast as well. If you're in the coaching space, definitely connect with him. Uh, he's the real deal. And, uh, I appreciate you guys. We're already uh, here in December, um, next week. Oh, actually, yeah. The next three shows, uh, my friend Patricia is going to be co-hosting with me. Uh, so we've got some pretty cool people that are going to be showing up here, uh, next week if you know who the band rush is and you happen to know who the peart family is you might want to tune in next tuesday night uh to see a very very special show um so again you guys can always check us out at ronunscripted.com you can always can check me out at noexcusescoach.com you can check out the group accountability program see if that works for you again it's ridiculously affordable to make sure that you guys uh have skin in the game but you're showing up every single week and together we can like when make sure that uh, 2024 is your year to kick ass and take names i love you guys i'm christopher roush your no excuses coach this is ron and scripted we'll be back here next week go out there and be brilliant and connect cheers <laughs>